Hey, Alan, will you keep an eye on this make sure it keeps recording? Cool. I think we're good now. We'll see. All right, guys. I know you guys are like, thanks. Thought I had to come back to school tonight. But I just, I felt like I wanted to do something different to introduce the lesson tonight instead of, uh, instead of talking about it. So let me get my notes in order here. Be honest with you. I'm not sure where my notes are right now. I just had them. Are my notes hanging back there? Is that, are those them? Yeah. Nah, not at all. Thank you, brethren. Yep. You're the man. So, first off, what's the first point I was trying to hit home? What does the Bible say? The Bible says that what do we need to sing? It says that if we are singing to ourselves in Ephesians 5.19, we need to sing psalms and hymns. And then in Colossians 3.15 3, and 16, it says what do we sing around each other when you're, when you're in your brother's presence, when you're in your Christian brother's um, company? It says psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that you're supposed to sing. Then you look it up. So basically it's telling us that even when you're by yourself or wherever you are, when you're around other company, you're supposed to have psalms and, or, or I'm sorry, sing psalms unto God. Then I said, well, maybe some of you don't know what psalms are. We have, there is a book in the Bible called Psalms. And basically what a psalms is, if you looked in, I looked it up in the Holman Bible Dictionary, a psalm is a song of praise to God. That's pretty much what the answer needed to be for the last one. If you said any kind of singing, that's fine, but it needed to be singing. A psalm is singing unto God. Okay? If you look in the book of Psalms, it's a bunch of poetry, a bunch of songs that mostly David wrote that were just praises unto his heart, singing to God the, the, thing, the wonderful things that God has done for him and the wonderful thing that God represents. So psalms are singing to God. Okay? So now, what kind of psalms should we sing? In Colossians... 3.16, it says we need to sing. Did anyone find that one? Spiritual songs. Spiritual songs or psalms unto God. Okay, now here, here's some of the good points that I felt like um, we were hitting here. Romans 8.6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be fleshly minded, I'm sorry, spiritually minded is life and peace. So that's defining spiritual. If you are singing a spiritual song, you're going to have life, you have life and peace. You're singing unto God, okay? In the same chapter in verse 1, it says, Those who are there, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Did you guys get flesh? Very nice. So, if you are walking after the Spirit, you're going to sing spiritual songs, okay? And verse 5 says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And I love this little point. I read this somewhere. It says, Spiritual songs appear to the spirit of a person, not to the flesh. This is pretty much why I wanted to do this. This is what I wanted you to get out of this. Okay, a spiritual song appeals to the spirit of a person. God's spirit inside of you, your spirit. Not to the flesh. This is the reason why good music is so hard to find today because people are so carnal, so fleshly. Most of the music being written today is geared to attract the flesh because that is what it sells. All right? Now, what I'd like you to do is open up your Bibles. We're getting to the good part here. 
I think it's a good part anyway. I tell you, it, it, it just happens, seems to happen to me more and more, and I love it when it happens. Open up to Colossians chapter 3. Where did Colossians chapter 3. I'll tell you what. I was excited when I read this. What we're going to do is we're going to read this whole chapter in its entirety. I know that's sometimes boring, but I want you to really look at it. And as we're reading, as I read, I want you to think, how is this talking about music? How, is it, how can I apply this passage of Scripture to the music that I listen to? I believe, I'm going to tell you what right now. After I read this, I've read this before. But after I read this, I was like, this is probably one of my new favorite passages in the Bible. It just boils down, it boils everything down to, to my level. I, it, it breaks it down to my level. I love it. This is good stuff, and I believe that God can use this in a great way tonight. So Colossians chapter 3. Boy, if you, oh man, this is, this is how happy I was. I just started underlining everything. I was so excited. I was just like, this is, oh yeah, that's great. Oh yeah, that's great. Oh yeah, that's great. All right, here we go. If ye then be risen with Christ, if you are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. We're going to talk about what that means here in a second. But we, if you're a Christian, ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil, uh, conspicuous, uh, whatever that word is, I can't read it here. Conspicuousness, what is that word? I don't even know. Covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In, man, why can't I see tonight? My eyes are getting bad. In the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blah, 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 keep on going, out of your mouth, no longer there. We're going to skip down now to verse 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Skip down to verse 14. And above all these things, put on charity or love, which is the bond of perfectness. perfectness. And let the peace of God roll in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body, and ye be thankful. Verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sounds familiar tonight. Singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. 
Then it goes on to talk about wives submitting to their husbands, husbands to love their wives, children obeying their parents, fathers not provoking your children to anger, servants obeying. And whatsoever, in verse 23, ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. Now I know sometimes when we read in the Old Testament, or the Old, the, the Old Testament, the King James Version, sometimes you get caught up in words I can't even say. And as we talk about this, and we go through a couple verses, I'm going to read it in the NIV version now, okay? So it can be a little bit clearer to you. But first tonight, what does verse 1 tell us? Verse 1 in the NIV says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ seated at the right hand of God. What is that telling us? What is that telling us? What's that saying? Charlene? That Jesus Christ died on the cross, he was crucified, he was seated right hand by Jesus Christ. Okay. Let me tell you what that's what that's saying. Charlene, you're you're hitting you're hitting a couple points there. Okay. It says that as Christians, we're going to be raised with Christ. And since that's the case, we must set our hearts on the things above. If we're going to be raised with Christ, why would we not set our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and our emotions on the things above? Why would we think about anything else but Christ? To be raised with him, if we're going to be going to heaven, why in the world would we be thinking about anything else in our lives but, but wanting to know what heaven is like and getting to heaven and thinking about heavenly thoughts? We need to set our affections on them and love them and not let our desires be towards the earth or the world. Does that make sense? You need to be, your thoughts should be about heaven, about God, and about Jesus and not about the things of this world. Because if we are truly raised with Him, if we are truly going to heaven, those are where our thoughts should be there. If our thoughts aren't those thoughts, then there might be an issue that you need to leave up at the altar, that you need to give to God. Tonight, let me ask you a question. That's what it's saying. It's saying your desire is of heaven, of God, and of Jesus. Tonight, let me ask you this question. Where is your desire? Where is your desire? Think about that. You don't have to answer me. Just think about it. Think to yourself where your desire is. Verse 1, it tells us our desire needs to be thinking on the above, thinking on things above. Do you desire to be happy by the world's standards? Do you desire to have success? Do you desire to have fame? Do you desire to have popularity? Let me ask you this question. Are you just hiding under the umbrella called Christian? Are you just hiding under that umbrella called Christian so that you can be saved? Is that the only reason that you're saved? Is, so that, uh, is that the only reason you're a Christian is so that you can go to heaven? Yeah, that's a great reason. That's a great reason. But let me tell you something. If God were to say, 
today, you're not worthy to come to heaven, which none of us are. We talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago. Would you still serve Him? If you knew that you were going to hell, would you still serve Him? That, to me, defines a Christian. Because without that cross, that's where we're all going anyway, right? Without that cross, that's where we're all going. So before Jesus did what He did on the cross, that's where we were going. Let me tell you something. If you wouldn't be willing to serve Jesus Christ, even if there was no way for you to get to heaven, you might have something to think about. Because I believe with all of my heart that what Jesus did for us on the cross, what, what Jesus means to us, we just owe it to Him to give us or to give Him our lives. We owe it to Him. So are you just hiding under that Christian umbrella just so you're saved? Or do you truly desire godly things? Heavenly things? Do you truly desire that? Do you truly desire God? I want to tell you something right now. God has worked so much in my life in recent weeks. And you know why? I'll tell you why. It's because there's never been a time in my life where I have sought out God more than I have in the last month. There's not a time in my life where I've, sought, I've always sought out God, but I've never sought Him like I have in the past month. Lucas can vouch for you. Lucas can tell you. He probably doesn't know what I'm doing. Every day you come home, where am I, Lucas? In my bedroom. I don't say this to, to brag about myself, but as Lucas walks through that door, I'm on my knees in my bedroom praying, doing my devotions, setting that time because I want to give God all that I have for Him. I'm desiring Him. Think about rich people. Think about rich people. Let's, let's break it down to a different level. What do rich people have all had a desire, for the most part, unless they were just lucky and inherited tons of money. They had a burning desire to have success, and they were driven to make money. They would do whatever it takes to be that millionaire. Think about athletes. Had to work so hard. They were, they were driven. They had a desire to do whatever they had to do to make it to the show, to make it to the to the championship game, to make it into the, the Super Bowl. Let me tell you something. They didn't get to the Super Bowl or the NBA or the, or the NFL or Major League Baseball by sitting on their keisters. They had a desire to get better at the sport that they played in. Would you agree with me? Yes. Think about the desire that people have to get whatever they want. Well, here's the point I'm trying to make tonight. That's how we should desire Christ. Just like that. That's how we should desire our relationship with the Lord. Is No matter what, we want to get as close as we can with God. We're going to do everything that we know how to, to, to make sure that we're close. Spend that time with God like we need to. When you do that, guys, it's awesome. You don't have a care. Everything is great. I mean, there are things that happen that, that you know, Satan throws at your way or, or just the world, by world's terms, you know, or bad days that you can have. But when you're truly seeking and desiring God, wonderful, wonderful things happen. Just think, it, it, 
if you are desiring to be a millionaire, you could probably do it. Or if you're desiring to be a great athlete, you could probably do it. If you desired to be a strong Christian, there's no doubt, no doubt in my mind you can do it. Because what happens is, James chapter 4, verse 8 says that when you draw near to Him, He draws near to you. So you're doing whatever you can, what you know you should do for God, and God comes and He meets you. And great things happen. Wonderful things happen. I think of a few people in here tonight. I mentioned a couple of them in prayer. I think of Dan. There's a guy who, who just desires to serve the Lord. He desires to, to, to get as close as he can with God. I think of Logan. I can't not help but think of Logan when I think of someone who just desires God. Logan, I don't know how much time he spends, but, but every time I hear his parents talk or his relatives talk, They'll say one thing, that guy just lives, learn, he loves learning about the Bible. He's going to be a preacher. He's going to be, I mean, that's, he spends most of his time doing that. And it's evident. Why? Because of Logan doing it? Well, that's part of it. Yeah, you've got to do your part. But when you do that, God comes. And it's so obvious. He doesn't have to say a word. You can tell that he spends quality time with the Lord. He desires the Lord. And I think of Michael. Where's Michael tonight? He's in the tonight. I think of Michael. He's another guy who just, God has just stirred and worked in his life and brought him a long ways because he's desired to want to be used by God. My man Ricky. Can't help but not thinking about him. Here's a guy who is faithful every Wednesday. Will call. He called on Thursday. He couldn't go to the Casting Crowns concert. And he just called me up and he said, Hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you and I hope you guys have great worship tonight. Uh, now how many? Uh, and I'm not dogging you here. I'm not dogging you. But Ricky, I almost guarantee you, if there was any way that he could get there to that concert, he would have come. Now, many of us, if we didn't go to the concert, probably had other things going on. And I'm not giving you a hard time for that. But, but that's where Ricky wanted to be. If he could have, he would have been there. And so he didn't get to go, and all his, he's thinking about is, oh, I wish I could go, I wish I could be there, I wanted to be there, I hope you guys... He's thinking of us. He's praying for us. There's a guy that desires God. You can see it in his life. And I think of Maddie and Kelly. I know that they're going through some, a time in their life where they're trying to make some decisions and things like that. And, and after talking with Maddie a little bit, I know that they're desiring to do what God wants them to do. Guys, bottom line is this. If you are seeking God and desiring Him more than anything else, awesome things, awesome things will happen because God will meet you and do great things. Let's look at verse 2 through 4. I'm going to read it in the NIV this time. Verse 2 through 4 says this. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. All right, there's a couple different things that I took from these verses. All right, basically, what, what, what we can get from this is it's giving us three reasons, the Bible is, on why we need to set our hearts on the things above. Why we need to set our hearts on the things above. First off, if you're a Christian, you are dead to the world. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 tells you that we are crucified with Christ. You've all heard that verse before. That means that you are dead 
to this world. You are dead to this world. And if you're dead to this world, why are you affected by it? We shouldn't be. That's what the Bible is telling us. If you are truly crucified with Christ, if you are truly crucified with Christ, you're dead to the world. You, if, we're, if we're truly living for Christ and living a spirit-controlled life, you're not going to be affected by the world. it tells us is our true life lies in heaven. We've talked about that already. We are dead and our true life lies with Christ and God. We don't, we don't get our nourishment from earth. Yeah, we food and stuff like that. But, but, but our happiness, our joy, our peace, our reasons for living are for reasons up in heaven. Our true life lies in heaven. Our life isn't here on earth. Our true life lies in heaven. We are hidden with Christ. I have often said this, especially just out of married. I, I use this illustration in our wedding. But, but think about this. I, I, I don't think anyone in their right mind that knows anything about God or Jesus could say that Jesus didn't do what he did on the cross. I think it, in my opinion, is, is so obvious that, I mean, it, it's amazing how obvious it is to me. And sometimes I think Satan likes to prod and say, are you kidding me? You, you really have faith that there's a God and there's a Jesus? I remember Satan bothering me with that. I, and, and I struggled with that at times when I, was, when I first started coming back to this church. But God met with me in great ways with that. Some of the things he said, I, I remember doing research when we first got married. I was reading all kinds of different background books that Mary had got me and stuff about the Old Testament and about Jesus and things like this. Did you know? All right, there, there, I've shared this before. There's no denying that there was a Jesus. Okay? The atheists will say that there was a Jesus, a man named Jesus Christ who did everything that he did. You can't disprove that. No one can. That happened. The question is simply this. The atheists don't think. They think that he just died on the cross because he was stupid. He was insane. Why in the world? He just thought he was something he wasn't. Did you realize that? There's no denying that there was a man, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. You can, anyone will tell you that. So if that was true, how, how many of you would be willing to do that? You say, oh, I'm going to just say I'm Jesus, and I'm going to die on the cross, and I'm going to perform all these miracles and do all these wonderful things? None of us would. All right? The, the cool thing that I read was the setup of Jerusalem at that time. They were on the hill, the Mount of Olives. He could see the people coming up with their lanterns, the soldiers coming up to get them. They could see it happen. They're on top of this hill. They could see them coming up. And on the other side of the hill, according to this book, was a desert. He could easily have fled. But he chose not to. He chose to die on the cross for our sins. All right, now, to me, that just blew me away. If that were me, and I knew, all right, I knew that these guys are coming to get me. You can see them coming. You heard that he was gone here. He knew that, that one of his disciples betrayed him, and yet he stayed there, and he did it. If he wasn't, it, it didn't happen by chance. It happened because he knew that it's what needed to happen. And the second thing I think of that just, just blows my mind is what happened at the revival hymn that you guys watched. That's true. There are people who were there. There are people who were in that community where Jesus or the, the Holy Spirit just 
poured down and God was evident and moved and knocked people to the ground and, and lives were changed forever. Drinkers, smokers, prostitutes, you name it. The, the, the ugliest, dirtiest sinners in the world became saved and now some of them are pastors and evangelists and, and traveling the world telling about their experience. That does not happen by chance, by fluke. That happens because there's a real God and the real Jesus Christ. Amen. It's that simple. I don't know why I got on that tangent. Other than the simple fact that our lives, they're not here for this earth. We're here because we want to get to heaven. Oh, I know where I was going with it. I know exactly where I was going with it. And so I was talking about how if you want to get saved, if you're saved, the, the neat thing about it is all we got to do on this earth is just is think about heavenly things until we die, right? Which is what, maybe 80 years at the tops? All right, here's the illustration I use. Boy, I'm really just going on tangent here. That's all right. Think of this illustration. Did you know? I think, I think this is stat. Somewhere close. Telephone poles, telephone wires. You take all of them in the world. I heard this. The stat's probably bigger now. But you could wrap it around the earth, I think, eight to ten times. Like, take all the telephone poles and telephone wire in the world, and you can wrap it around the earth in outer space around ten times. That's pretty amazing, I think. That's a lot of telephone poles. Don't you guys think that's amazing? That's a lot of telephone poles, right? Well, I, I, I like to think of it in this terms. I like to think of all those telephone poles, if there was a limit to eternity, there would be all those telephone poles. Well, there's no limit. I mean, they just keep going around the world, around the earth, all the telephone poles. But if you, if you broke it down and said, all right, instead of that being distance, that's time, that's how long time would be if there was some kind of end. That's a lot, okay? That's eternity. One of those telephone poles would be your life on earth. Does that make sense? So your, your life plus eternity is all the telephone, telephone poles in the world wrapped around the earth ten times. That's, that's how long you'll exist. Your life on earth is only one of those telephone poles. The scary part about it is what you do in that one telephone pole determines where you are for all the millions and bazillions and trillions of telephone poles wrapped around the earth. Picking up what I'm putting down a little bit? Does that kind of help you see? So if you think of it like that, it's easy to look, think on heavenly things. Now, how is this about music? How is this about music? Someone tell me, how, how can you apply this to music? Anybody? Dan? What, what's that? What we're going to be singing in heaven. See an angel, sure. Logan? Got anything? How's this deal with heaven? Or how's this deal with music? Anybody? Come on. Think about it. Your music... If you are truly, truly saved and you're going to heaven, number one, you need to be thinking about heavenly things, right? So your music should be heavenly, not earthly, not worldly, not fleshly, heavenly. And if it's heavenly, if it's spiritual, if it's songs that we sing unto God, that is heavenly, that is spiritual. If it is songs that we sing that make us feel down and out, if it's songs that make us want to go up and smash our fists through a wall or, or take a two-by-four and knock it over somebody's head, that is fleshly. 
That is worldly. That is not spiritual. That is not heavenly. That is not going to make you think heavenly things. It's as simple as that. Now, do I, have I listen to secular music? Do I still? Once in a blue moon, yes. I'm not condemning you. I'm going to hell for it. But I'll tell you this, it makes it a whole heck of a lot easier listening to good music when you know that it's only for a minute. It's only for one telephone pull that I'm, that I, that, that's going to get me to where I need to be for the rest of eternity. Just one telephone pull, it's a lot easier. I, I, I want to think on heavenly things. And let me tell you this, if you don't want to think on heavenly things now, how are you going to want to think on heavenly things when you're in heaven? Well, I don't understand. And the reason people say it is because they just want to get to heaven. They don't want to go to hell. They know what hell is all about. So I'm just going to use it as a saving faith. I'll get to heaven, but I'll do things my way. I'd be worried if that's you. I'd be worried. Where am I? Music. This is, this is all about music. I thought when I read this, I was like, yeah, this is all about music here. And the third thing that verses 2 through 4 says is simply this. It tells us, where does it tell us? Oh, verse 4, where are you? For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. All right, what is that telling us? That will tell us that we will hope for the perfection in our happiness. If we live a life of Christian purity, listen to good Christian music, listen to spiritual music, listen to godly music, that's all include, included, and we're devoted to that, when Christ our life shall appear, we shall also appear with Him in glory. Galatians 2.20 says, once again, that I live but I live now for myself. I die to myself. I live for Christ who is crucified. Boy, I feel like I got so much more to say. What time does that clock say? Shut up, Andrew. <laughs> I know you can't. I know it. Alright, let's look on verse 5. I'm going to skip a lot of stuff there. Verse 5. Look with me. Verse 5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. I'm just going to be brief and short on this. What is that telling us? That's telling us simply this. That it says that Christians need to put to death our earthly desires, our earthly natures. We need, we need to put them aside. We need to get rid of all of our, our, our earthly desires, all of the, all of the things that, that, that hold us down from having that spiritual-filled life, spirit-filled life with Christ. Verse 5 lists many things. That of this world that we struggle with in the flesh. Look, look at that. Verse 5, it says that, that we struggle with, with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Let me tell you something. Let me ask you this. Do you think there's music that can take you there? Certainly. There is music. And, and let me tell you something. Those aren't the only things that we struggle with in the flesh. That's just what that verse decides to, to talk about. Music will take you to those places. Music will, 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 will lead you down the path, possibly, if you're listening to the wrong music. 
to be sexually immoral, to, to, to be impure, to be lustful. It can take you a lot of different places. Why? The Bible tells us that we, we, don't, we need to throw that aside. And if music is taking us there, how is that giving glory to God? It says in verse 6, because of this, this, the wrath of God has come, or is coming. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, You used to walk in the ways, in these ways, and the life you once lived. But now, verse 8 says, But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. There's just some more things that, that music, music can take us down. But verse 7 is telling us what? It's telling us that it says that you used to walk in these ways. Before we were saved, that's, we, we would walk in those ways. We felt it was okay to, you know, to walk in those ways, to do those things, to lie, to cheat, to steal, to get what you want when you want it, to do whatever you wanted to, go as far as you wanted to go with your girlfriend or boyfriend. But if you get saved, it says, you used to walk in these ways, but, but then it commands us to rid ourselves of those. It tells us to get rid of it. We must rid ourselves of our love of our flesh and the love of this world. If we don't kill them, our desires, our fleshly desires, what's going to help and it's going to, what's going to happen is going to kill us. You got to get rid of it with God's help. You got to make commitments and say, I'm done with it. Just, use, just think of this illustration, simply this. If you and your music are listening to music that, that's taking you places in your mind, are taking you places in your flesh that are not godly, making you want to hit something, making you want to kiss something more than you should kiss, making you want to, I don't know, think of things you shouldn't be thinking about. If you continue to do that and let that come into you, that is decay. All right? You guys know that I had my tooth done, my... Uh, Root canal done a couple weeks ago. That's what sin in our life will do. It'll be like decay. You don't even know it's there. And then all of a sudden, you have to get a whole tooth shaven off and a cat put on. How, 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 what am I saying there? I'm basically saying that the sin in your life is easily, easy to hide, easy to put away, but eventually, if you don't get rid of it, it's going to take your whole tooth away. Sin. You might be able to hide it. You might be able to get away with it. No one here may know, but it's decay. And it will rot at you. It will eat at you. It will take you one step further than you want to go. Before you know it, you're there, and it's going to take you. And it's going to get the better of you. If you don't get rid of those things and the flesh and the world that are holding you down, it's going to get rid of you. It's going to take you down. It's like decay on your teeth. Verse 10, look at that with me. Where am I? Oh, plenty of time. How much time do I have? I can't see it from here. My eyes are so bad. All right, 10 minutes. Sorry, Colin, you wanted to be an average Bible study when you prayed today. <laughs> Read with me in verse 10 real quick. I won't be much longer. 
Verse 10 says this. Well, verse 9, we'll go with verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And the verse 10 says this. And have put on new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. Oh, I love this part. You're putting on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. What is that saying? Oh, I love this part. This is good. It says that once you are saved, you are a new man. You are a new person. And what happens, and this happens in your life in every different area. It happens in your life in, in music. It happens in your life in, in different areas in your life that you haven't surrendered to God. But what happens is simply this. When you are saved, you start day by day, if you're walking with God, becoming more and more like Him. So don't go home and say, guess what? Mark says, I'm God. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that what happens if you're truly walking with the Lord in your music, in your lifestyle at school, in your language, in what you watch, the Holy Spirit works on you. And He starts convicting you of, ah, that's probably not an area that, 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 that's making you think on heavenly things. That's probably not an area that's, that's going to lead you down the right path. You see, and so what happens day by day, little by little, if you're seeking God, not only are you drawing closer to Him, but, but you're becoming more like Him. Are you ever going to be? No. Are you going to fall? Yes. But let me tell you something. I, I, I am living proof that if you seek God daily, you become a little bit more like Him. And it's happened with me pretty evidently fast because it was about four years ago where I was everywhere you shouldn't have been. Look where I am now. He's allowed me to preach. What a happiness and a desire and a fire. Four years ago, not even close. Why did that happen? But the day that I made the decision to stop drinking, did I automatically like, all right, I'm going to go preach. I'm going to go bring the noise. All this. No, it didn't happen like that. But day by day, little by little, the Holy Spirit was working on me, speaking to me. God was moving in my life in a mighty way. And day by day, I became close enough to where I'm here today. And somehow, some way, I have the privilege to be able to speak to you. How that happened? Through God's grace and through Him just leading me and me wanting to, to do whatever I can to do what He wants me to do. And that happens when you are truly saved. You get closer and closer all the time. And that means in your music. That means he, he, he will speak to you in ways that you didn't think he'd speak to you about. Especially in your music. Take it. Verse 11. Verse 11 says, Here there is no Greek or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. What is this saying? I'll move on quickly from this. This says that we are, when we are being changed in His image, there's only one category. We're all being changed into one category. Not Baptist, not Presbyterian, not Jew or Greek. It is only Christ. We're, be, we're being changed in His likeness, into His likeness, to being as much as we can like Him. It's not about what denomination. It's about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And that's what happens when you're truly saved, when you... Walk your walk in your hallways and you listen to that music. That's what it's about. 
Jesus Christ crucified. Verse 14, I'm just going to move on. It tells us to clothe yourself in love. Verse 15 tells us to set, says to let the peace of God rule in your life. I eat my dog, I kill my parents, that's not the peace of God. Headbanging, yeah! Woo! Is that the peace of God? That is not the peace of God. That's what some of those songs say. Oh, eat my dog. It's gross. Verse 16 says, this is where it gets good, says to let the Word of God dwell in you richly. It says that if you're a Christian, the Word of God will dwell in you richly. I believe someone who is truly walking a Spirit-filled life has a song of praise or a song to God on their hearts. If, if the Word of God indwells in you richly, you're not singing the I Eat My Dog song. Or, I want to go home and mope in my bed. Oh, my lover, she's gone forever. No. You might feel like that. But here's a song that's been on my heart for a, lot, a couple of weeks, and I sang it to him just the other night, Mary and I did. I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river in my soul. I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river in my soul. Who's got another one? I've got joy like a fountain, I've got joy like a fountain. Or... Now, that too. How about, He is all I need. He is all I need. Jesus is all I need. Aren't those a lot better? Hey, hey, that, is, that isn't fleshly. You know what that music is? That's meeting with your spirit. That's meeting with God's spirit. That's, that's thinking on heavenly things. That's dwelling on God's Word. Like the Bible tells us in verse 16. Uh, you know, I, I think it, it says a lot about a person who, who's a hummer or a whistler. What are you humming in your car or walking down the hallway? What are you, what are you whistling? Not the Andy Griffith show. What are you whistling? What are you humming? What what are you what are you singing to without anyone that you know that you're not really singing out loud? That's in God's word. And finally, look with me in verse seventeen. Verse seventeen is a great verse. It tells us this: and whatsoever you do in word or deed. Do all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. All right. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it for Jesus. Whenever you talk, whenever you act, or whenever you make a decision, it's for Jesus. This is what it does not say, unless you have a different version than me. It does not say, whatever you do in word or deed, except when you listen to music. No, that's not what it says. 
It says everything you do, when you listen, when you speak, when you, when you talk, when you, I don't know, anything that you do, it's for God. Brian brought up a point. We went to Wendy's or McDonald's, and whoever wants to go at the end of the night, I'm hungry, so we'll go there after this. We always go to McDonald's afterwards if you guys want to go. Brian will say, let me ask you a question, Mark. And I thought about this, Brian. I love this conversation. It really helps with my messages. But Brian said, well, well, if the Bible tells us not to be worldly, then why do we go play sports? Isn't that worldly? And that's a great point. But here's what I say to you now, Brian. This is my answer to you. I kind of just sat there and listened a little bit. And you were asking us a question. So now i got an answer for you. You can play basketball for God. You can play baseball for God. When you're out there, people can know that you're a Christian. There are things that you can do how you play, helping people up, tapping them on the butt, maybe not. You can always tell. Everyone always knew Andrew Thompson was a Christian playing sports. You can Play an instrument and give honor and glory to God. You can do anything sports-wise, activity-wise, that some might consider worldly, but give honor and glory to God. You cannot listen to I eat my dog and I kill my parents and give honor and glory to God. Can't happen. Doesn't happen. We are to do everything for Christ Jesus. I want to leave you with this point, and we'll pray. If I can find it in all those 15.2 million things I have here. Here they are. See you again. Number 11 song in the nation right now by Miley Cyrus. Superstar by Loop Fiasco featuring Matthew Santos. No air, Jordan Sparks. Like you'll never see me again, Alicia Keys. I don't even know how to say her name. Shadow of the Day, Lincoln Park. Teardrops on my guitar. Taylor Swift. Clumsy. Fergie. Sexy Can I? Ray J and Youngberg. Suffocate. Holiday. Tattoo. Jordan Sparks. Kid, these are the hottest songs in the world by the world standards. Get rid of them. Get rid of how 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 is it bringing honor to God? How, how is it making you think of heavenly things? I'll admit, sometimes I like to listen to, We are the champions, my friends. I, I'll admit. But guys, that music, this music, going to take you to heavenly places. It's not going to take your mind or your flesh 
It's going to take you all down the wrong path. Think on God's things. Bow your head. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You for this night, Lord. I thank You for giving me a desire and a, a passion for this series. God, music is such a huge part in all of our lives. And everything that we do with concerts, with iPods, with movies, with commercials, everything. And Lord, it's so clear by this passage in Your Scripture that we need to think on heavenly things. God, just, just for, for one, one single telephone pole determines where we spend the eternity. And Lord, the music that we listen to, unfortunately, can affect where we spend our eternity. It may lead us, take us down a path that we don't want to go. And so God, I pray tonight that these kids, that myself, that everyone in here would realize how powerful music is. And God, that the commitments that we made last week about, about changing some of the music that we listen to or listening to, to music that is more godly. I don't know what the commitments are, but God, I pray that you help us to remember that, that we need to think on heavenly things. And Lord, tonight I pray that as these kids go home, may they, may they look up this passage again and just meditate on it and pray on it and, and use it throughout their day. And God, I pray more than anything that as they walk the, the halls of their hallway at school, as they, as they come in conversation, as they're in their car, may they have a song, a spiritual song on their hearts that they can whistle or that they can sing. And God, may you just use them in such a great and powerful way. Lord, be with all of us as we travel home, I pray. I thank you so much for this night. I pray that you just do a great work in all of our lives until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. Bradford coming up and McDonald's. McDonald's? Who wants to make the call tonight? Where are we going? Wendy's. Wendy's it is. Whoever wants to go to Wendy's, we're going to Wendy's. And uh, Alan said he'll buy. Love you guys. Is it open? Hey, Burger King. Wendy's is closed. Anyone wants to go to Burger King, you can. If you need a ride, uh, ride your bike.